What's up? You know, I'd really like to do that, but I don't have any money. Like, I don't have any money. Hey, bitch, do you really, really, really want to go <laughs> off? <laughs> it's Rap Critic and Muse. Wow. We're going to the crib. We're stealing your stepfather's credit card, and we're going to be taking your car and doing circles around the parking lot. RC! This guy said to me, like, hey, you know, you know, we've been doing this show for so many episodes. You know what intro we haven't used? I'm going to hit you with it. And he, he didn't tell me what he was doing. <laughs> and and he decided that the Kesha, I mean, not Kesha, the... <laughs> Proto-Kesha, Crayshon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great value, Kesha. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I saw a tweet that was about uh, Natasha Benningfield. The pocket full of sunshine, that girl. A pocket full of sunshine, and also the um. Release your inhibitions. Oh yeah, yeah, right yeah. The rest is still unwritten. <laughs> I got to thinking. I was like, "What the fuck would you call that genre of like Natasha Benningfield? No, Katie Tunstall, uh." Duffy? It's gotta be pop something, right? Like... It's like coffeehouse pop. Yeah, like sophisticated pop. <laughs> oh my god, sophista pop. Right? Ugh. It's technically the updated version of that, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, honestly, really, at the end of the day, it's pop for soundtracks. Like... Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> this is like uh, serious pop music. <laughs> it's like I, when I did a video on uh, Bowling for Soup back in the day and was talking about how their brand of pop rock was like mm. tailor made to be on movie You're soundtracks. So right. Yeah, on not another teen movie, such and such soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, a video I was um, thinking about making. Best She Doesn't Know What She's Missing pop rock songs. Because, <laughs> so God. Oh, she's just the flavor of the weekend. I'm just a teenage turnback. <laughs> and and what was the other one? Uh, uh, she's so high. Oh, <laughs> God. Tell Bachman. When I look at her, she looks at me. <laughs> Songs that you can't sing not in a mocking tone. <laughs> yeah, like you're either so like unabashedly about that emotion at that moment or you're making mm. fun of it. Like there's no, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I just experienced that and I'm 13 and this feels <laughs> deep to me. Or you're like, oh God, I can't believe someone would actually just like say that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, sure, there absolutely was a time that I would unironically sing Simple Plan songs and feel that emotion. Oh, right, you're feeling, uh, I'm all alone tonight. <laughs> I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. That is so, like, exactly Life is a 13. nightmare. <laughs> Holy shit. White kid in the suburbs, life's a goddamn nightmare for him. <laughs> I'm just a kid, life is a nightmare. Why? Because I'm not, I haven't been invited to the parties right. I wanted to go to. It's not like. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's not like uh, there's no fucking lights on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got no food to eat tonight. No, it's, no, the fridge is stocked. I, I just couldn't call anyone to, you know, come over and, and play the N64 with me. Like, <laughs> I woke up. It was seven. I waited till eleven just to figure out that no one would call. I think I've got a lot of friends. But I don't hear from them. What's another night all alone? When you're spending every day on your own. And here it goes. Uh, I'm just... Oh, <laughs> I God. love that lyric. I love the way it, like... You know, again, very immature, but just the way it, like, leads into it. Because it so sounds like the, oh, God, I'm so sad and I'm going to cry. Here it goes. <laughs> Get the clean ice. Here it goes. <laughs> Oh my god, so you just said gangway. <laughs> the boys go off once again. Uh, yep. You just said gangway, and that just uh, like specifically made me think of uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. And how, like, for, for me as a kid growing up, I always thought, like, that was more his catchphrase than Zoinks. Because oh I, yeah, gangway. Yeah, right. He's like he's always running away and is always telling people to get out of the way. <laughs> it was like gangway. 
And but it was always kind of funny because it's like, you know, it's not like he's saying out of the way. He's saying like gangway, which I know is like also the phrase, but it is just kind of funny because, you know, I mean, in the 60s, people would say like and they would say it on the show, too. Hey, gang, we're, let's go hang out and do this. So just the weirdest was saying gangway. <laughs> it just always threw me off a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think anyone was going to be rocking a gangway shirt over a Zoinks <laughs> shirt, though. Is the right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. True, true. Now that just about every Hanna-Barbera property is going to be in the new Space Jam. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, you know, they're showing up. Who is it? With LeBron James or something like that, right? Like King oh, hey. James, of course. Hey, guys, look at me. This is actually happening, I guess. <laughs> you know? I'm just as shocked as you are. <laughs> right? You know, you see the uh, Bugs Bunny characters are like, <clears throat> uh, oh, the, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, uh. Looney the Tunes characters, the Looney Tunes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want, you know, the Bugs Bunny gang. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see the Looney Tunes characters. Bugs Bunny and friends. Yeah, you see the Looney Tunes characters like hanging out, and they're like, "Oh, hey, look at us, we're animated." And then, oh, and then like you see Bugs Bunny's hand like turns into like the three Dification, and it's just like, oh. I feel like this isn't as cool as they think this is. <laughs> like maybe like thirteen years ago, this would have been cool. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of questions leading up to the eventual trailer about, you know, what the plot was going to be, if they were still going to stick with King James. But one answer I did get from the trailer, and now I could rest easy, yes, Jabberjaw is in Space Jam 2. What exactly do they think they're doing with this? Like... (laughs) Do they think they're trying to ready player one this shit? <laughs> like It's literally any property they had, they're cramming it into it. Yeah, for uh for recognizability points. It's the uh Wreck It Ralph, it's the Ready Player One. Cause didn't you see Iron Giant in the trailer immediately? And I was like, um Ready Player One literally did that one. They they literally did and it was just as awkward when they did it too. The Iron Giant's here to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you immediately didn't get that movie. You were just using this because of the property. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Looney Tunes were barely being used to their best in the first movie anyway. But all right, you have like a certain squad that you recognize, right? The the, the right. Bugs, the Tweety, the Sylvester, Yosemite. You know what I'm saying? Like you have these guys that are there. And then you're going to expand it and make it even bigger. Well, what's, what are we going to have? Like, a, like you know, Final Four uh, matches or some shit? Like it's going to be like, all right, this team faces that monster. This team faces that monster. Like, what? How much bigger are you really gonna make? Do a basketball game again? <laughs> you know, like it's the what is it? The server verse when everything opens up and all the different IPs can for everybody gives a shit about this basketball game. Like, I can't miss this. Yeah, like. <laughs> I don't believe it. I, I don't believe Alex and the Droogs from Clockwork Orange give a shit who's going to take the win on this one. Yeah. Why would they care? And it's like, what are, what are they even doing? Because, like I said, you like the Looney Tunes for the Looney Tunes. I have never in my life said, you know, I'm having fun with the Looney Tunes, but hey, wh- where's Fred Flintstone at? Can he come through? Like, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Could no. come through? What, what, what's he doing? Like, maybe Scooby-Doo. Maybe Scooby Doo can come chill, but yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I got like the Cartoon Network uh, uh, bumpers that they used to do. That's about as like big as you could really get with this whole universe of characters, right? Where you're just like we're oh. gonna get Boomerang coming through. Yeah, you see, you know, but that works, right? When it's like, oh, it's the bumper right uh, at the end of the commercial. It's like, oh, it looks like mm. there's a bigger world of cartoons that like you could see there just around the corner. You know what I mean? But it's just like. Let's just see a movie about all of them. Don't you really just want to see all of these characters together? It's like, not really. (laughs) Is Johnny Quest and his offensive (laughs) Indian friend going to show up too? Oh, he's going to be giving us some Bim Bim Salabim while he's shooting the ball. (laughs) They're going to give Haji the fucking uh, Tiny Tim and God bless us, everyone. At the very <laughs> end of the movie, instead of, uh, that's all, folks. We're right. gonna get a bim bim sala bim and a wave. <laughs> Ugh. RC, we've got a couple very interesting album reviews in front of us Indeed. today. Indeed. <laughs> Let's start out with Mugs Presents. 
Soul Assassins, Chapter 1, requested by Michael Adamvich. Thank you very much, Michael Adamvich. And if there's an album that you want to request, we still have a couple spots open. I know we've been saying it for a while now. We're going to eventually run out. So head on over to Kofi, that is K-O-F-I.com slash going off G-O-I-N-O-F-F. DJ Muggs is come to play, and he has brought quite the bevy of all-star celebrity friends with him. The stars are out tonight! <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? what the fuck was that? <laughs> So it's interesting, right? Uh, we reviewed the Cypress Hill Boys not even a couple of episodes ago, right? Very fresh in my memory, yes. Yeah, and I remember us talking on that album. We had said, like, man, it's, like, very interesting production, and it seems like there's really cool ideas happening, like, at the edges of songs. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, that was a cool thing. What? All right, never mind. And I feel like this album is DJ Muggs going, like, Okay, well now I'm gonna do all that stuff that I wanted to do on that on those Cypress Hill albums, but they wouldn't let me do. <laughs> it's very weird. They're going for uh, kind of a concept. Yeah, they're going for like an epic, you know, uh, 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 maybe not like a story, but definitely like a, taking you into a world of you know combat and and and, and ghetto economics and you know that whole thing. And meanwhile, the tracks are bookended with samples and sounds of war. And, like, some sound like samples from movies or TV shows. Yeah. Other ones sounds like they were uh, specifically recorded for the album. It's kind of hard to tell the difference at some points. But they don't really delve into that too much. Not really. On the album, it comes up sporadically. Like, uh, But not enough to be a cohesive... Uh, uh, consistent concept. Yeah, it's like, okay, so let, let, let's just get into it. So the time has come, the intro is just... Attention! The time has come! Yeah, it just kind of... You know, I, I can't even remember how the intro goes, honestly. Cause I'm just it like, just kind of repeats that sample a good bit. Attention! The time has yeah, come! Just like, uh, so Attention! Anyways, let's get to that next song. For what, exactly? <laughs> like... I don't know what I'm looking at yet. And then, like, okay, so we have Dr. Dre and Be Real. And this is, you know, Dr. Dre right before Eminem and, oh. you know, the, the, the second Dr. Dre. Well, I guess, like, the fucking third one, honestly, you know? Oh, yeah, th third wave Dr. Dre. Yeah, because, like, the first one would be, like, late 80s with NWA, and then the second one yeah. would be, like, when he's on his own with, like, Tupac. And then, like, the third one is, like... You know, when he gets Eminem and gets uh, uh, the, the Chronic, you know, 99-2001 album. <laughs> See, I, I'm not going to let you just skip on past the world-class Wrecking Crew <laughs> like that. Oh, that's the that's the Trial Zero version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's like akin to the infinite yeah, Eminem. The, yeah, right, like, that's the proto... <laughs> It's technically there, but it's optional if you want to address it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like DJ Muggs is one of the only uh, DJs that has a uh, watermark that actually sounds, like, integrated into the song in a natural way, you know? Because it just kind of it just kind of sounds in the background just, and, like, adds to the effect, you know, just, assassin, <laughs> you know? Like, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, getting into, oh, yes, the Puppet Master. So, <laughs> the intro oh. of this track, like, at least the first minute of it, it's like ice cream music. <laughs> it's ice cream music and like a carnival barker. And I'm sure it's supposed to be like that ironic, like, ooh, happy music happening while someone's saying stuff that's really dark. But it just goes on slightly too long and doesn't really work. Yep. Because <laughs> after a certain point, he's like just doing, he's just doing like extended, like laughing for a long time. He's going, He's like, this this isn't working the way you're thinking it's working. <laughs> it's funny, I had the exact same response. I wrote down, this is going on for too long. Parentheses, 30 seconds. That's not a long time, but trust me when I say it, <laughs> it felt like, like it. way too long. <laughs> and 
But we get into the song proper, and the song's okay. Like, the, yeah. the look feels like it's leaving something to be, uh, you know, it's, there's something to be oh. desired there. Yeah. I'm the puppet master. The pull the string. I'm the puppet master. Oh, God. This hook was garbage. <laughs> the puppet master. I'm pulling the strings. You see, what it means is... And it goes on again for way too long because you have the you have the chorus, and then he just keeps saying, like, I'm pulling the strings. I'm, I'm pulling, like, or some shit like that. Like, what? why is this going on for so long? And it's one of those it's one of those songs too that like it ends with a chorus and you see how much time is left. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, there's not gonna be anything else after this. I'm free to skip. I'm not gonna miss anything. Yeah. I think that might have been let me check. It could have been my lowest rated track. No. Damn it, I forgot. No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> you forgot your boy was on it. <laughs> uh yeah. But but before before we get to that... <laughs> you know what? Wyclef doesn't have the worst either. Oh, oh. Okay, I get it. Puppet Master. Yeah, that's what you're going with. Like, oh, it's ironic that you're playing that music, but... I'm sorry, puppets aren't really that scary. Like, I feel like horror movies want us to believe puppets are scary. But, like, it's more of like a... I guess this would be scary if it was happening to you, but not, like, in concept is, like... A small person moving around, like this is not scary, you know. I, I'm not sure exactly what they're going for, cause well, I mean they're they're saying puppet master, right? Like that's uh, in relation to like that movie, isn't it? They make it sound like they're the puppet masters. Yeah, but like I don't think there's actually any puppets. Yeah, who are they manipulating? Yeah, <laughs> I was struggling to get what they were talking about, like, what motif they were really going for here, because there's a few songs on here that are critical of uh, other rappers, and oh, right. I thought, like, they were trying to make it sound like other rappers are the puppets, and they're the ones with the strings, or something about the puppet master maybe being the record execs, or the record label, and the, and the rappers are merely the puppets doing their... I don't know. It seemed like they were on two entirely different wavelengths, Dre and Be Real. Yes. Like, Dre started out pretty good. I thought his verse was fine. And then you get Be Real just talking about smoking pot, basically, and, like, that's <laughs> about it. Sounds I'm like, gonna blow uh, pot all over the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck it was. It's like, oh, open your mouth, I'm gonna blow all the smoke. It's like, what's that do? What are you talking about? And then, I did like Dr. Dre's line, though, uh, where he said, accept uh, no limitations. Dre losing his stack is slim as chances of Michael Jackson getting his black fans back. I was like, oh. <laughs> and was that the point of the album where you hear like a, hee? Oh, is that oh, later? I don't remember that? <laughs> I vaguely remember someone referencing Michael Jackson, and you hear a quick "hee." <laughs> I forget when that was. Um, I thought "Decisions, Decisions" was an interesting track. I, I thought it was a step up from the last yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I like Goody Mob in general, just because like the, their lyrics are so like that. In your face, like you can feel the words as they're saying them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially with, I think it's Cujo Goody who has like the more uh, free form sort of flowing rhymes, and it like really yeah. hits you with what he's saying. You know what I mean? At, at least for me, I would say more awkward than free flowing because mm. it feels a little disjointed for I, me. I get you on that. Like there's, he's like mystical for. Uh, mm. Like, um, what was that one Outcast song that Mystical did with them? Oh, yeah. And it was like, I uh, hear that he's, like, doing something interesting with the flow, but it's like, it sometimes just doesn't fit with what's happening in the beat, you know? Big Gip has a pretty solid verse. Mm. Um, it's pretty laid back. But Cujo, I felt, was, like, more meandering, because his verse was a little bit longer. Yeah, and, he's, and not until, like, the end did I feel like he really got to a point. Yeah, like, he's saying interesting stuff, but it's it's so weirdly scattershot. Like, uh, you know, when he says that, yeah, you're right, like, at the end, like, Joe's under gag order, but we talking outside the courtroom, shooting birds at the judges, fuck Tesco employees shouting racial slurs, destroying documents and complaints from black workers. I'm like, oh, what, what, what did that happen? That feels like it's important that that was brought up, but what did they have to do with what was happening before? <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> and was there a rhyme in there anywhere? Between, yeah. Like, <laughs> order? And workers, but that's like four <laughs> lines apart. Like, I yeah. don't know. 
I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I, I know you're going for a point, and that's, like, that's more important, I guess. But it felt like he was just saying shit, like, spitting it. It was just like, all right. And not until then did he really get my attention. I will say that I did really enjoy CeeLo's verse. Like, with just how it flowed on, and then, like, the beat kind of drops off where it feels like it's the end. And then it's like, no, I'm not done. I'm still talking about what's going on in your life. <laughs> like <laughs> CeeLo was absolutely the best saved for last. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Timo, I thought, was all right. Like, aggressive, more frantic. But CeeLo was definitely... Uh, Definitely the standout. He stayed on message the best, I thought. Yes. Yeah. Uh, especially with how, like, it turns out what his verse is about, where he goes like, a, your life defies the misconception of staying down. You can't be influenced by everybody you hang around. You should have been more appreciative of the life that you was blessed to live. 100% is what you got to give. Because ain't no telling when your bullshit starts smelling and you wonder why your record ain't selling no more. Ending up with no dough and no respect back in the projects and building 23 right next door to me. <laughs> I, at that I moment, that. I was listening to it, wondering how CeeLo never really caught on in a big, big way. Gnarls Barkley had a few hits. Goddamn crazy uh, smiley faces. There's a few hits. Uh, not nearly as big as crazy, though. That's really the only one anyone uh, anyone remembers. Because I remember that one it, that one got to number two, which is like, oh, come on. Uh, I remember oh, that. Oh, man, hit. that's... Oh, I definitely would have thought that was a number one hit. How, how about Forget You? Did, did that get to number one? Uh, no, I don't think it did. Oh, come on! Because I, I do remember it being a... What was that freaking song? The, uh, uh... It, it didn't come out around the same time, but it was like right out of, I think it was like a Maroon 5 song that was like number one because fucking I, I was going to say, it better not be Maroon 5 again because that's what fucking kept Psy <laughs> off number one. So I was like, nope, no way. Couldn't happen again. And, yeah, but, I, I got to know how, how high that charted. But I remember someone else complaining afterwards because they were like, oh, the reason why it couldn't get as high is because there was cursing on it. But then like that other song by like Enrique Iglesias, which was like, yeah, oh, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but tonight I'm fucking you. <laughs> like that got to go to number one. It's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got like, it had to forget you. That's good enough, right? <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> it was, it was uh, number two. Yep. It got to number two. Are you fucking kidding me? But look, it's higher than I would have assumed he would have gotten back in the days when he was just doing, you know, those first couple solo albums with the I'll be around, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he'll be around the top 40. No, never all the way at the top, but he'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be hovering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, third World, though, is where this fucking album really picks up, I thought. <laughs> yes, okay. I think this is the best track on the album. I, I agree with you, and but I will give the caveat that the, the intro is like a fucking minute long. <laughs> yeah, that did not need to be there. That's the <laughs> What's thing. happening? Especially because I'm not really understanding what the theme you're going for here is. No! These intros are so long and and then they just fade out like they're not even really part of the song yeah it's not like it's like a oh because sometimes songs are like that right like you'll hear something that kind of like starts off but then it kind of like transitions into something else but it never does it feels like this is supposed to be the beat and then they just kind of stopped and moved to another one i was like well, what was the point because i was liking that <laughs> it, it's basically a skit but they just included it at the beginning of a track yeah. It's like, no, let me skip it if I want, because I don't care that much. <laughs> right. but you're forcing me to listen to it, and it has no bearing, really, on the rest of the album. Yeah, like, in context of maybe if I'm just listening to the whole album, maybe I can enjoy it. But if it's just, like, coming across this track, like, it, out in the wild, it'd be like, why the fuck? What's taking so long? I would have been <laughs> and, so fucking confused. Yeah. yeah. And especially, like, RZA has, you know, okay, so RZA has definitely the, the marble mouth, very going fast flow, but this <laughs> yeah. is the place where I feel like it worked the best, because, yeah. like, he starts off sounding smooth, and then it, like, slides into that very, like, you know, uh, staccato type of flow, but it feels relevant because, like, he's starting to talk about, like, going to war and all this sorts of intricate shit, where it's just like, oh, fuck, wait, this does sound like we're in the middle of, like, enemy combat, so, like, yeah. this whole sounds like it's, you know, moving all over the place so it's not to be detected, you know, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's kind of cool and it fucking works. And oh, the fucking line where he says like, um, sound the alarm, call for the suicidal kamikaze ninjas with the bombs, flashes of neon, all we saw was flying arms. Anytime I come by, alumni cut short the air supply, send them back like George McFly. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call my second private, tell him to write this important message to Cyprus. I heard Yaku's assistant on the island was Dr. Titus, and they just released a new deadly virus to infiltrate the Western states. It's time to pump out more rat tapes and use the Wu-Tang symbol to communicate. Riz over and out. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and it actually sounds like there's like, you know, a fading out, like stuff is going on in the background. And then as it goes into the next track, you hear like what sounds like, you know, men in the middle of war in a bunker, and like they're getting like uh, uh, the, the special communicated message like, oh, you know, communique just came in from uh, from the east. You know what I mean? And, and they like literally repeat the lyrics that he just said. So they're like, "Call my second private. Tell him to write the." You know, so they're like, "Here's what's happening and here's what's going." Okay, they're gonna use the Wu Tang symbol to communicate. Let's go. <laughs> and I was like, "Holy fuck!" It sounds like like are we in a movie right now? Is this is this just happening? And then this was the slickest transition. But yes. again, that was that had the most bearing on the on the plot they were going for. Because then, yeah, we just go straight from that to Cypress Hill and Be Real is like a soldier out on the field sending a message back right. to home base. Yeah. It's fucking sick. I like that. It's really fucking cool. Battle of 2001. That's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, the next few don't really have anything to do with it. No. Devil in a blue dress and heavyweights. Yeah, okay, so, like, the way uh, Battle of 2001 ends, right, like, he, he's, ra first of all, he, his rap didn't start to, like, literally halfway through the fucking track. Literally halfway through the goddamn track. Uh, but when he does this... You only get about a minute and 30 seconds of a rap from him. Yeah, and and when he's rapping, it's kind of interesting, because, like, he's flowing, and it sounds like it's on the beat until, like, the last, like, six bars, where it's just like, wait, what's he doing? What's he talking? And it's like, it sounds like he's like... Like, it feels like he organically broke the flow to just sound like he's, like, saying, Women and children take shelter. The enemy is upon us. All personnel, manual battle stations. Code red. I repeat, code red. We are being overran by also forces need assistance. Is anybody receiving this over? <laughs> like, it just, like, transition. We're just like, oh, oh, shit, shit's really going down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like he's, uh, yeah, and you hear the sound effects, like, slowly getting louder. So it feels like you're really getting ingratiated into the moment. And then, like you yeah. said, yeah, the second song just kind of drops, the next song just kind of drops that devil in a blue dress, La the Dark Man song. Yeah, and not that it was bad. Like, he had some. I liked the track. It. Yeah, it just kind of felt like, oh, but I thought we were doing something, though. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I was watching that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it feels like someone changed the channel when a movie was getting really interesting. It's like, hey, wait. Well, what's going on over there? No, I, I actually really liked uh, Devil in a Blue Dress by uh, La the Dark Man and Heavyweights by MC8. Yes. Um, I didn't have a whole lot written down for them. I just thought they were solid cuts. Yeah, I they're thought solid. They were dope. They're solid joints. I especially like uh, just how menacing heavyweight sounds. For, yeah. Somehow the phone going off in the background during the chorus adds to the menacing nature of it. I don't know how. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, and I love. I did love the intro for this one because it sounds like an old like '40s gangster movie. They're talking about the music that's about to play, but you know, within the context of what the sample is. So hearing someone who sounds like a very suspicious gangster, he's like, "Come over here and sit down and turn on that radio, so we can all relax and listen to the music and not make any wrong moves." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I fucking love that. You know. Okay, so then we get "Move Ahead" by KRS One, <laughs> and then. This oh. is my lowest rated track. <laughs> this is oh, come the, on now. <laughs> this is the worst cut by far. What the absolute fuck is Karis one doing on here? Yeah. So it's like it's one of those things where like the utility of what he's trying to do in the song. Uh. It feels more, like, better to me than the actual product itself, right? Because it's like, okay, it's 1997, Tupac and Biggie just died. Oh, yeah, of course we need a song saying, like, kill the beef. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's all come together. But just this hook. West Coast beef must dead. No, ho, ho. East Coast beef must dead. No, ho, ho. Time for us to get ahead. Ho, ho, ho. Before his we must move ahead. We must move ahead. We must move ahead. We must move ahead. And it feels like it's like... I don't know if it's, like, this just beat doesn't work with this. You know what I mean? It just doesn't feel like I mean, this is right over this. 
I don't know if the I don't know if the beat really matters. I think that chorus would have sucked no matter what you put <laughs> under it. That was so fucking corny. And I'm trying to figure out how we're getting a track, a fucking stop the violence track. Right. Halfway through this album, and he shouts out Cypress how I can just kill a man hill and mm-hmm. speaks out against fucking hardcore hip hop. Like, what is going on here? Well, Do you like, even know what album you're on? Well, it's specifically, see, in the context of, you know, the earlier tracks where it's like, oh, there's a war going on and everybody, you know, takes shelter and, you know, bunk. This song felt like it had a utility in the sense of like, hey, and here's someone saying, stop war, you know, stop fighting. Okay. Like, that's how I enjoyed it, right? Where it's just like, after all that, mm, man, what are we doing? We need to do And he actually has some really good lyrics, like in the verses, right? Where he says, um, people always say when they see us, teach us. So we move by the inch, teaching only of, uh, some of it, believe us. Hustlers and players and hoes will never leave us. They've been around since Mary Magdalene and Jesus. <laughs> run with it. Pimps, players, run the government. We've been raised on a ton of it, and that's why we loving it. <laughs> you know, like, I-, I enjoy how he put it. And at the end where he says the, um... Oh, no. What? Oh, you didn't like that? Hold on, I think I know where you're going. I'm already shaking my head. Well, he says, uh, learn the lesson. Wait, hold on, uh, let me... He says, I'm not understanding what's all the fuss. Hip-hop belongs to all of us. The East created it. The West decorated it. Learn the lesson. The unification of the picture is black expression. When black expression hates itself... It becomes black digression leading to depression and health. If hip-hop was destroyed, could we blame the CIA or the FBI? You'd be a motherfucking liar. Liar. I hate hate that he did that. I hated that he did that. I was waiting for it. You'd be a motherfucking liar. Liar. It's on fire. There's like conspiracy theories are contrived or we keep them on the shelf. We've got no one to... You. We've got... Okay. Like... I un- I understand, right? But I think that's given outside influences a bit a of a pass. Credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I I just I can't help but roll my eyes and cringe when rappers do that shit. Like you're given fucking police, you're given the government's influence on shit. You're just giving like, hey, can we blame these? No, it's like, well, yeah, you can be mad. At more than one thing. Yeah, I get you. I, I think it's, like, in the context of, you know, w- what he's referring to in the sense of, like, you know, hip-hop is always considered this dangerous mm. thing. And is it just inherently dangerous? It's just, like, no, the people who create deci- hip-hop decide where it goes. And yeah. the issue, especially in the 90s, is that it was being decided by rich corporations who only want to push the bling-bling shit. You know what I mean? True. And, and, yeah. and the black mm-hmm. violence because... To, you know, a white audience, this is fun and looks cool. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have to think about the reality of what these rappers are not only rapping about, but living with possibly day to day. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I feel like it's him saying, like, we need to take accountability for this thing that is ours. Because Mm. it is black expression. So I get it in that respect. But yeah, it also kind of leaves open this idea of, like, well, like, I get it in the sense of, because there were those people, right, who were saying, oh, hip-hop is is being taken over by, by uh, the government. You heard that shit yeah. before, right? Oh, the CIA yeah. is using hip-hop to take down the black community. It's like, no, it's not that serious. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just corporations who don't give a shit and just want money, you know? Yeah. Like, but So, like, I appreciate it from that, because we can't act like, you know, like, hip-hop does have a conspiracy theorist streak, you know? So I did like him calling that out in that respect. But yeah, on the other hand, it does end up kind of saying, like, well, I don't know. I, I mean, there are factors that made this shit bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, like, if it's trying to stick into the context of this album and what they're talking about specifically, then, like, right. yeah, okay, I get it. But it's never really closely tied enough to it to go and, back to it for it and- to feel like they're connected. And also, like, it's not like this is the last song on the album. The next one is two mob deep songs that are all about killing you and shit. Yeah, and he's like, oh, beef is dead. Like, is it? No. <laughs> We've got four more tracks. Yeah, and, and the next one's called It Could Happen to You. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about this, man. I did like the next track, It Could Happen to You. 
I thought that was one of the more solid cuts, too. I think that has the second highest rating on the album, honestly. I think it was solid, but again, it was another one of those... The first minute and a half is like this other song happening. And you're like, yeah. why do you keep doing this? And it was particularly weird because the beat was... um, It's the same uh, sample that RZA used on his first album. Uh, one song, I think, called uh, Love Jones. And the oh. beat... I feel is used a lot more appropriately there because it's like more of like a love sort of a love sounded song you know what I mean and it's more slowed down and, and the beat can like breathe more and you hear in the background that what sounds like a little girl going uh, a little girl like what sounds like a girl with the like you know high voice going ooh and it's like that sort of like cute like coquettish like ooh did I just drop something or did I do something like cutesy or or did I like you know dr- uh, drink uh, drink a little alcohol and ooh I got the hiccups you know and no oh. I'm getting a little tipsy having a good time you know like that's what that felt like on that other Rizza album, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, it sounds like you're having an intimate moment with a girl. But this one is just like, it's it's just all that gang shit. So this really nice sounding in the background is like, why is this here? <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't fit because like, yeah, all gang shit. We fucking up, nigga. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it just felt weird. But yeah, the song get get started proper and it's cool. Um, and. uh I think, oh, and but it did throw me off though. Like Mob Deep twice in a row. It's like really, I, were these yeah. songs so like different that both of them needed to be used? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I did still give both tracks pretty high ratings, so I really wasn't complaining. Like I thought it was fine, um, but yeah, it does. Like I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I liked how. I like the quality of a lot of the tracks on the album. I think I might have wanted a bit more uh, variety in tone. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of the tracks do end up kind of sounding samey. Um, and if you have asked me what each individual track is about, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you off exactly. the top of my head. Like, like okay, so with uh, the song after the Karis one song, yeah, the two Mob Deep songs, and then a song from a group called Call of the Wild, but mm. like... For my ears, it sounded like it was still Mob Deep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I wouldn't like, really be able to tell the difference. Yeah, because it was called, like, New York Undercover. And, you know, it sounds like... like The beat sounds like it's taking place where with something like traveling swiftly underground, like a subway. You know what I mean? Like... And, it, like, the way he, they're rapping is like, oh, yeah, this definitely sounds like a Mob Deep song. Like, rapping about how New York life is dangerous and, and stay out of the ghetto. Like, yeah, yep, that's Mob Deep for you. But it's like, oh, no, that was called a while. And even in the song, they said, like, yeah, quality stand to see the mob tell too much. So, yeah, they said Mob, and I was like, oh, Mob Deep is here again. They're like, no, fuck you. How dare you think we're the same? Like, I thought that was a pretty underwhelming track, honestly, the New York Undercover track. I, I enjoyed that one, actually. I enjoyed that one more than the one before. Oh, like, really? Saying, yeah. I think I just liked wh- how the music and, and the lyrics put me into it. You know, when he says, like, this, you know, we're underground and under lock and tunnels, like, that, that hook, like, felt like it put me in that moment. You know what I mean? More than I felt like the, the track before really did, you know? But uh, I think uh, we can both agree <laughs> <laughs> that they couldn't have picked a worse song to end the album with than John 316 by Wyclef Jean. What the fuck is this doing here? (laughs) Holy shit. Wyclef Jean, he's right off of the, uh... The when, Fuji's, yeah, Fuji's '96. So this is the next year. You know, he's like, all right, I'm trying, I'm trying to set this off with my solo rap career. Yo, does anyone want to hear me do my boring uh. ass guitar solos? <laughs> <laughs> hey kids, gather around. It's DJ Muggs with White Glove, and I got a uh. story. It was so weirdly like, why is he talking like that? No, <laughs> like it's a Sesame Street song or something. It was weird as hell. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't feeling this one. Like, I guess they were trying to go for, like, oh, after all that hardcore shit, here's a little bit of a lighter tone, but it was just Uh, like, what is happening? This is supposed to be the inspirational rap song at the end to bring us all together. What do you mean, John 316? For God so loved the world, every man packs an M16, says the boy to the fiend. What do you mean? Huh? What do you mean? <laughs> what that is... chorus was so fucking wet. Oh, so like... up its own ass with how it thought yeah. he was. He fucking thought he was flipping uh, a buried treasure on him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, John 316? For God so loved the world, every man packs an M16. Yes, rhyming 16 with 16. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, what is happening? And then this fucking versus. Women bring you more miseries like that movie. Stress goes to India. Smoke hashish with Gandhi. My bullet rights is to make sure you're all right. Superman left the gang because his weakness was Crips oh. tonight. Oh. <laughs> oh, the facepalm. Oh, let me water nope. this facepalm I got over here. Oh, oh Crips Lord. tonight. And, and, oh, so storyteller, what's the moral of the story? Live oh. reality and don't get caught up in your fantasy. Oh, oh, was, oh. was that it? <laughs> was oh, that? Okay. <laughs> cool. What All are right. you talking about? <laughs> Thanks. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it was going on about in that one. Um, oh, I, I overall I give this, uh, you know, despite how much I am clowning on that last song, which leaves the most bad taste in your mouth. I, I think I give it a three and a half. I got a three. Yeah, I think there's enough solid material on here where it's just like, oh yeah, you can you know do some cherry picking on your favorites. You know, it's not so bad. We'd be like, oh god, why do I waste my time with this? But yeah, it definitely doesn't live up to its promise. Of what it feels like it's going to, you know, especially in the middle where you're hearing some cool shit happening, like, oh, oh, is there a story happening? What? And it's like, oh, oh never mind, <laughs> you know. Moving on to our second review, we have got Natural Born Loser by Nicole Dallinganger, requested by <laughs> requested by JoJo. Thank you, JoJo. JoJo sent me a message warning me about some of the context, uh, some of the content of the album, rather. Uh, and at the time, I was like, yeah, okay, cool, thank you, I really do appreciate that, because I think I'd recently said something on the show about, you know, being taken off guard by either a super depressing album, or a homophobic album, or something like that, and and I like to know what I'm getting myself into, so I can, you know, just be ready for it, and make the album... Gird your loins. Yeah, just make it an easier listen. And that was a while ago, so I'd for completely forgotten that message... Until I was about halfway through the album and remembered, oh yeah, I got a message specifically uh, warning me about some of the um, themes on this album. And boy, oh boy, I wish I'd remember that because I was not mentally prepared for this one. It is a very heavy album. It's a weird mix. You've got minimalistic instrumentation. I'll go ahead and say sweet sounding vocal. Yeah, baby voice sort of. Melanie Martinez esque. Exactly. There's so much social comedy. I was like, I wrote down at one point, I was like, God, this is like if Maggie Simpson took out her fucking uh, (laughs) sucker, turned to the camera, and just laid out all the political underpinnings of the Simpsons satire of American life. Like, just to your face. Like, that's what this album feels like. And uh, (laughs) I think I say this enough that. If we were to print up merch of our favorite sayings, <laughs> I would go ahead and say it here that I really liked this album. I did give it a fairly high rating, mm-hmm. but I never want to hear it again. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like the sis did a good job at this, and I don't ever want to go back to this place because they did a very good job at illustrating that. <laughs> it's like, cool, I've had that life experience. Check it off the bucket list. I'm good for another few years. I don't need to go down that road again. Like, what was that John, uh, Father John Misty album? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. This is very good, important music, and it's bringing me down, man, and I don't want to hear this. <laughs> and it's like, I think with, with Father John Misty, there's at least a humor to it. There's mm. nothing funny about any of this. <laughs> Yeah, there is. They shit funny. No smiles to be had. This album is no laughing matter, and um, <laughs> which I'm just gonna go ahead and say that this is a this is a fairly cruel joke. That you've got the album called Natural Born Loser, and the front, the album art is someone in like a BDSM leather face mask. It's like a very dried out looking picture. It's very like bleached. You know what I mean. I- I don't know what I would expect from an album with that album art, (laughs) but I don't think it was this exactly. No, not at all. (laughs) Maybe something a little more lighthearted. Maybe you know, maybe a little more more goofy, a little more Billie Eilishy. You know, Uh, like more more satirical. You know, a little biting commentary, sure, but you know, no. This is uh, the only. This chick is not playing. <laughs> the only light you get are the are the sweet vocals. It's the only it's the only bit of sugar uh, yeah, the angelic, that helps the medicine uh, go down. Yeah. 
<laughs> the angelic vocal stylings. I, uh... uh... Okay, so here's the thing, right? This album mm. goes back and forth between metaphorical, uh, hypothetical events, I would assume, and mm-hmm. real-life shit. And yeah. it starts well enough with a track called uh, Poacher's Pride. Oh, yeah. And it lays out this story of, which I can only assume is a metaphor for something for which I'm not exactly sure... Over something, all right. Where Nicole kills an angel and then hangs the angel in her room as, like, a wall decoration. And that's, like, that's it. Like, it goes into more detail, but that's essentially it. Yeah, and it's presented so, like, darkly that you're forced to be like, oh, this isn't... Uh, we know exactly. Like, she's talking about an angel, but, like, it's very directly talking about, like, you know, just killing a creature in general and putting it on your it's wall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. But. So it's just like, oh, shit. But <laughs> even that, it's still not a direct one to one reference to something. Yeah. That it was like, okay, I'm, I'm now aware of the tone of this right. album. <laughs> but you're not. You're not ready. See, that's the thing. I thought I was. <laughs> <You're not ready. laughs> um, then the next track, honestly, this one got mm. a pretty low rating for me, only because I don't think it was as strong of a cut as the first one. And I think her songs work, and they're more impactful when they're shorter. I think they benefit from being shorter. The second track is a good bit longer, and it's just the same two verses repeated twice. And it doesn't really give you much more than that. So, this one didn't hit me as hard. I still thought it was okay, but it definitely wasn't. It was definitely one of the weaker tracks, in my opinion. One of the best tracks, though, I would say... White Trashin'? White Trashin'. (laughs) Hell yeah! Is... Is the, is this the most lighthearted this album gets? <laughs> the most lighthearted. Why trashing? <laughs> Why trashing with you? This is this is as sweet as the album gets with lyrics like "Inherited your dad's crazy eyes. History repeats our whole damn lives. Yeah, this place gets old, but it's really hard to scrub the dog piss." Awful white trash heart. Empties <laughs> lined along the porch. Shoot them dead. Show no remorse. White trashing with you. <laughs> it's like, aw. <laughs> There's a little aw in there. What was that one lyric that just, uh, that one verse hit me the hardest? It's still menacing. Like, <laughs> yeah. The innocence that I have bled carved your name into my leg. White trash in with you. And the next one was like, plastic Jesus Santa Claus rotting like relics in the yard. Like that, that just line just got me like specifically, like just like, we never think about the fact that, you know, the relics that we see in the past are like, oh, that looks really important now. But that was just like kind of a common everyday th- thing for them. And it's like, you know, the stuff that is kind of uh, strewn out all across our yards, whatever, and all the, you know, in, in all of white, white, uh, white trash America, USA, you know, like in uh, 10,000 years, like that might be looked on upon as like, wow, this is what they, you know, uh, dress their lawns with, you know, like <laughs> fake flamingos and gnomes, you know. <laughs> um, I really liked the next two tracks also, uh, Swan. Uh, very unsettling piano in this one. Um, with lyrics like, He raised my hands in the backyard. He told me to be a good shot. You said the sound of sorry. Oh, you love the sound of sorry. Even when you know I'm not, I am not. What's that one lyric where, and it's like, you hear music, like, building in the background, this very, like, staticky, like, stuff happening that's starting to build as she's saying this lyrics, where he's like, in the land of holy, uh, in the holy land of broken homes, you still pretend that you don't know that I took it out back and I snapped its neck just like a wishbone and let it die, it's just like, uh, and like, as the music's building, it just adds to the creepy nature of it. For as much as I'm 
you know, being like, I don't want to hear this again. There were definitely points of this album where I was the fucking Lisa Simpson meme getting that cup of coffee. You know the one? Yeah, I get you. I can't deny it, man. Like, I, like <laughs> a lot of this did hit a lot of the right notes for me. I did, like, I wasn't a big fan of the singing. I would have liked a different vocal style, personally. But I think it fit, and I think it made for an interesting juxtaposition. And you know, if y'all have heard our Mountain Goats uh, reviews, that I love juxtaposition of vocals or music and the lyrics. If It's like, again, another meme. The all-black house next to the pastel-colored house. And it's like, <laughs> the music and the lyrics, where... Yeah, it's like the music can be super peppy and upbeat, and then the song is about, like, a crumbling family or a brewing hatred. And it's like, nah, man, I love that shit so much. (laughs) That's absolutely my shit. In this land, though, fucking hell. Oh, man, this is the one where where it gets even more staticky. You hear the kick in the background as the beat builds. Oh, that one fucking lyric is like... A starving animal will always feed. God as his witness, he'll smile as he watches her bones slide between its teeth. Uh, and you hear, like, the beat building. I was just like, oh! Just, like, put you right in that, like, squicky area. It, it's got this loud, banging drum beat that it's very effective in how it just slams in the background. But yeah. then, as the song ends, that... Banging just keeps happening. Yeah. Even as all the other instruments drop out, it's still bang, bang. It's like, oh. <laughs> it makes it feel even more ominous the more it happens. It's <laughs> like, what is hap- What is this building to? <laughs> so this was a song that, God, really wish I didn't. But I went ahead <laughs> and read along the, G- the genius notes. <sighs> So, some songs are, like I said, about um, hypothetical scenarios. Uh, This one happens to be about uh, two uh, very real stories. Oh, man. They're really horrible. In the Land is the most most gruesome of the tracks. Most gut-wrenching. And it's right in the fucking middle. Like, it kind of builds you up to it. But I still wasn't ready for it when it came. Uh, And Alligator Blood is... It's also gruesome, but in this one, it's hypothetical and it's um, metaphorical. So, according to Genius, Alligator Blood is a term used in poker. uh, Who played uh, fearlessly despite being short-stacked, and wins. It also means the player's complete lack of concern for the well-being of other characters in the game. Nicole is being made to drink the alligator blood to make her tougher and unsympathetic. So, when there's lyrics of strapping an alligator by its feet and slicing it open and, like, forcing her to drink... That's all... It's all hypothetical. It's all metaphorical. Okay. <laughs> not actually being forced. It's still forced. pretty goddamn visceral to hear it, though. Like, I mean, the reality itself probably isn't great either. Um, yeah. Like, what is being used to toughen and make you unsympathetic and all that. But uh, the artistic expression and the way it's laid out here, um, I thought made for very interesting visuals uh, and got it. Another five. After that, though, I'm not going to say the album dips in quality because I don't think it does. But um, I have less to say about the songs themselves. Yeah, I mean, in general, like, it's such a... This album is such a a mood, (laughs) for lack of a a better word. It's such a specific mood that it's just like... You just kind of let this one wash over you, you know? It definitely puts you in a mood. <laughs> if you weren't already in one, it gets you there. And maybe don't think too hard about what she's actually saying. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. 
Oh man. Oh, but like like you said, it, it it has such an aesthetic to it that's so interesting. There's one song later on that's not like an actual song, it's just a skit, but it's so weird in the way it functions because it's like it, it, you hear some music and then it's just like someone talking obviously from like an after school special or some shit like that. I think it's called A Marvelous Persona. Yeah, that was the one. And I looked it up, I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, it's from like some uh, uh, Hanna-Barbera TV special from like the 80s or something like that. Uh, yeah. But I guess they said, but I guess they sampled it because like, you know, the lyrics at that point sound very, I mean, the words that they're saying at that point sound very like, you know, something desperate is happening and someone's being left behind. You know what I mean? So like, I get what she's doing while she's doing it, right? The na the title of it is uh, A Marvelous Persona, which as I looked oh, yeah. up on Genius, uh, yeah, they said it's from um, a character in the movie Gummo says it, uh, a, Har a Harmony Korine movie. Gummo is one of those things that like, I always remember hearing people talk about it, but like just not knowing what it is. And it's like, it's like, this feels like one of those like, I'm sure I'll like respect it if I watch it, but this probably seems like one of those pretentious, boring art house films. And then I saw like two clips from it and I was like immediately like, rended by it like it was just sort of like oh my god this is so fascinating like it's it's like it's meandering and not going anywhere and like it doesn't have like a plot but it's so just like trying to put you in a moment of these like white trash people's lives and like telling you like the reality of what their situation is it's like it's kind of fascinating like there was two scenes i saw where it was just like two guys driving down uh uh you know a really wide road down this small town and it's just like there's nothing important happening but this just feels like such a moment that is like reaching in and being like remember how this felt when you were a kid you know what i mean like it's just so capturing that in this strange way and that's the scene where he talks about his friend having the the uh, the mysterious persona and then there's another scene where it's like these two brothers they just start fighting and it's not really like they're not mad at each other it's just kind of like you know two rough and tumble brothers just what they do but it just gets like at a certain point it just gets the, the punches just get a little too hard and a little too harsh like they're just doing these body blows and head blows i'm just like whoa whoa even if you were like a brother you wouldn't be playing hard but like there's still that sense of like but these are still two people in a situation where they have a kinship and they actually like care about each other. But you know, they were raised messed up. So of course this is like this, this sense of hyper violence is just normalized to them. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, you see them beating each other up and fighting and it goes on for just like slightly longer than you think it should. And then right afterwards, it's just like, so anyway, you making dinner or what? You're like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, that's the dynamic and it seems so unhealthy, but like that's life for some people, you know? And, and that's what felt like so illustrative of, you know, what this album is doing, you know? It's just like, here's this dirty picture and this is life for some people, you know? And then, I mean, for me, it doesn't end on the most powerful note. Um, it is a track that she wrote for her at-the-time boyfriend who was in jail. So, I imagine for her, it was a more important track. For me, it wasn't. It was probably the least effective track yeah. overall. I just got you're so cool. You're so cool. Like, I thought it was being more ironic, but now that you're saying, like, no, it's actually about my cool boyfriend. He's, like, really cool. You guys, like, well, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the super uh, heady artistic uh, mask is kind of dropping now. It's just, like, my, my cool boyfriend's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> Overall, I ended up giving this album a four. How about you? Um, I'd give it the four, yeah, as really? well. Like, like it's... Like, uh, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, like you said, you know, uh, uh, it, it, you can say it is a bit one note, right? Like, you know, some of the tracks, yeah, feel like they're not, like, standing out from necessarily the others in the sense of, like, these are all slow tracks. Like, there's no upbeat track here, mm -hmm. you know? So I get it in that respect how it, it, it might, you know, functionally turn people off from that, you know, idea, right? It's like, oh, we're never picking up the tempo? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I feel like artistically what she's doing is so interesting that like I can't I can't necessarily completely doubt it, but at the same time, like I can't act like I'm not noticing that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't quote nearly enough, but these are some of the best written lyrics on a like non-rap album we've reviewed for me <laughs> in a while. Like some very striking, um very uh very good at painting the picture, even if it's not exactly one for one what it's supposed to be. Um, mm -hmm. Just still, like, really putting those pictures in your head for 
better or worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Going Off. Thank you very much for hanging out with us for a while. And thank you if you were one of the folks that requested an album that we reviewed this week. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, our Kofi is still open for a little bit. If you have an album that you would like to hear us talk about, um, that's ko-fi.com slash going off. That's G-O-I-N-O-F-F. Uh, we got all of our old episodes in the backlog. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, one of those. Uh, we've got links in the description for our link trees, for our socials, our YouTube, Patreon, uh, Twitch in Darren's case. Oh, yeah, the Review a New Podcast. Definitely, definitely yeah. fuck with that. You know, say so if you want to hear my opinion on uh, movies and, uh, you know, filmographers. We go through, like, the the filmographies of, like, our favorite movie makers, and we kind of focus on, like, you know, more funny guys, like, we're doing Mel Brooks right now. But we're also taking requests for movies as well. So, uh, yeah, get in on that. Get with it. Act like you want it. Exactly. <laughs> and until next time, for Going Off, I'm Muse. And I'm Rab Critic, and the state's promise didn't mean anything. It was all lies. They just wanted to get me back so they could have their revenge to keep me here nine more years. Why, their crimes are worse than mine, worse than anybody's here. They're the ones who should be in chains, not we!